As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is a Friday edition. We have nothing to pay off. No one will end this show in grave gastrointestinal distress as far as we know. But we may be setting up some more grave gastrointestinal distress down the road. I mean, I think we, we really should leave all possibilities open. Ari Wasserman is here. He is healthy. He is recovered. We had our Proof of Life podcast on Saturday night. But Ari, you, you're dealing with a decommitment right now. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a football coach. Because my nanny decommitted. You don't even have a kid yet, and your nanny decommitted. Yeah, we uh, we had a nanny all signed up. We we thought that we were going to have some help around the house uh, a month into our, into our new baby's life. We're scheduling ahead of time, and uh, she flipped to another family uh, because I think she got more money per hour from the other family. So now. Britt and I are having official visits or interviews in our house for our nanny, and we're trying to figure out how we can lock this one up. And to be honest with you, I wish there was an early signing period in the nanny world. Do you do you need to improve your facilities? Is the is the nanny concerned about the? I've seen the kitchen; it's a beautiful kitchen. Uh, I, the the nursery is very nice, but are you worried that somebody else may have better facilities? Uh, may be able to offer a different major. Yeah, there are some streets in Texas where I don't realize that they're houses because I thought they were libraries. So I'm assuming that (laughs) our facilities, I think our facilities are probably as good as they need to be. Nobody's going to commit to us because of the facilities, but nobody's not going to come because of them. Does that make sense? They're not Oregon-like facilities. I think they're they're upper-tier Power 5 facilities, but nothing that will blow you away. Hmm. So, So you're essentially like, I don't know. Our facilities are Kentucky. Kentucky, okay. Kentucky's facility is pretty nice. I know. I think it's a pretty nice house. You're more. You're more like Ole Miss, maybe. I think they. You know, they're they're still very useful. Uh, Yours is all new. I can't say the age is settled in, but you're not far from the houses that look like libraries. Your neighborhood is very close to those neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Uh, So. We're we're not Kentucky's like the new money, the the rich people that bought modern big houses who oh, are like yeah. new on the block. This this house is I mean, yeah, maybe Ole Miss is a good 
you know, it's a it's a place that somebody would come into and go, I could live here. I could play here. But here's the thing. But it's not something that's it, going to, to make or break the deal. If a new if a if an incredible nanny signs with you, then everyone's going to assume you guys are cheating. <laughs> that's right. Well, I mean, there is uh, I've been reading online and I didn't know this because, you know, OK, the baby is due here in like a week. So the baby could arrive in the middle of this podcast for all I know. And there are things that I'm learning. Rick, please don't do outside. that. Yeah, I really hope that we need to get this done. But we um, have talked at length about all the things that I'm learning about adulthood and, you know, Home Depot, which I was at today and mm-hmm. uh, doing some things around the house. And, and but like I had no idea the politics and the the competition and all the things that go into play when you're trying to get your unborn daughter into a day school. Like there are wait lists for preschool that are two years long and the preschool starts at six months. And I also had no idea that people dropped off their six month old infants to day school. So like I like I thought that like they don't go to preschool till they're one or two, maybe maybe even three. Uh, So I'm learning, all you know, I'm learning about all this stuff and it's crazy. And, you know, the nanny backstabbed us. She did I feel, not. I feel she, backstabbed. She got a better offer. Listen, you're just like you're just like <laughs> all like the schools. A disgruntled when coaches. Somebody, when somebody flips and they just they're cheating. Well, no, and 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 besides, I mean, this is this is very timely, Ari, because there's no such thing as cheating anymore. I don't know if anybody noticed. Like the SEC <laughs> on Thursday came out with they're going to let the individual schools determine what what constitutes an, a quote unquote educational benefit. And the reason the SEC is doing this is twofold. One, they would like to get the best players. Two, Greg Sankey has said for years that if the Supreme Court ruling in the Austin case did not go the NCAA's way, that the schools were going to have to figure out something else so they didn't get sued into oblivion. This will keep them from getting sued on that particular issue. But it's going to be funny to watch everybody else scramble because it's amazing what happens when competitors have to compete. And so you're learning about this in the in the market for a nanny, and all these schools are about to learn about this in the market for really good football players. Did you do you know who I am? I'm the fan or the school, the middle tier school, middle tier school. Yep. That gets a commitment from a high end four star prospect in the middle of the process, and then yep. that prospect hasn't gotten all of its best offers. Then Alabama comes in at the end of the process. They swoop the prospect, and then I'm the program that's mad because the prospect didn't keep his word and doesn't understand what the definition of commitment means. You're essentially Miami during the Mark Richt era. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what you are. Yes. Yeah, and all the fans saying, we shouldn't use the word commitment because it's they don't know what that word means. Commitment means commitment. Our nanny made a commitment, but our nanny also found a better deal. So, like, I... And disgruntled because it puts me in a bad spot, like the coaches who lose a kid out of their class late in the process. Get but that money, Mary Poppins. A, Get that yeah, money. It's, the, it's free. It's free enterprise. And it might not have been <laughs> the money or the hourly wage. We are not looking for a full-time one because we're not rich. So she might have gotten a full-time deal, which, you know, if that's the case, then I understand everybody's got to go get their own bag. But now we're in you a know the, You know what the real power move is, Ari? What? Two nannies. Two shifts. Yeah, I just didn't know how. Yeah, I, I didn't know we were. I was ever going to be a person with a nanny. Uh, and now that we're in that world, uh, 
it's just there's a lot happening over here. And we, we, did, I just, we did not do the nanny thing, so I'm fascinated by all of this. But, but how was, fast did you put your children into into school or camp or daycare? Uh, it, it was a long time. So with my first one, um, my sister-in-law watched him two days a week because she was a stay-at-home mom. So she was like, listen, his cousin is the same age. They can just play together, bring him over. And then I watched him the other three days. And then... When my, my daughter was born, which was, they're 20 months apart, um, we tried that arrangement for a week, and, and my job was requiring me to travel a lot more. And so we basically did the finances and, and figured out, okay, if we, if we cut this out, cut this out, cut this out, my wife could go part-time. And so that's what she did until, basically until the kids went to school. And so yeah. it, it, was, it, was, it was that, and then, and then I would make sure I could be home and watch them when she had to work, and and vice versa. Yeah. So we're still trying to figure all that out of we're, we're doing the economic conversation of, does it make more sense to hire a nanny? So my fiance Britt can go back full time or should she be part time and me, me take as much paternity leave as possible. And it turns out that economically it would make more sense for us to get some part time help around the house. than it would be for her to not go to work full time. It's just like, it's just like recruiting baby. It all, it all comes down to math. It's or, or firing coaches. It comes down to math at a certain point. Like yes. they were like, this buyout is huge. Well, this, this loss on your season ticket sales is more. So the buyout doesn't look so huge, but yeah, yeah that's exactly right. The nursery right. is the war room. Uh, this is where all the big <laughs> economic discussions are, are taking place. We we got to talk economics too because we we did all right last week. Ari, I feel like we gave out some winners. I, I'm usually very very wrong on a lot of things, and and I felt like we had a we had a nice little run last week with uh, we we told everybody Michigan State was probably going to beat Miami. Um, what else were we were we very high on that 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 came through? Uh, what am I, what am I forgetting? I don't know. Now, now, didn't, now I've got to look we, it didn't up. We ha- yeah, I can't, we had a, a few pretty good ones, didn't we? This is what happens. We need to remember these and write them down. So that the well, because the, the, the point of the show, wrong. Andy, has been to torment the loser. We're not used to, <laughs> we're not used to doing victory laps. We're used to paying the consequences for being wrong on the show. That's true, and we and we mostly agreed on everything last week. I, I that was also unusual for us. It just yeah, it, and it actually turned out that we were right. So next time we oh both West agree Virginia, on stuff, we we told everybody West, West Virginia, Virginia was that's a, right. was a that's what right. does Vegas know that we don't line. You and I are both very high on Neil Brown, and we looked at that and go, okay, West Virginia's favored. West Virginia's going to win this game. <laughs> like this is something's up here. Andy, this week is kind of like last week a little bit, where you don't have a lot of marquee matchups. Um, in terms of just like sexy things to look forward to, but this also could be a, a, a week where things get out of whack a little bit. So yeah, uh, I'm super excited about it. And the games here are, you know, I don't see a lot of playoff stuff here, but I do see games that could help rearrange the way that we view programs. And that's always exciting. Yeah. Now I, I want to toss out one. This, this podcast is dropping Friday morning, by the way, we've been reminded to tell you to rate and review, please rate and review. Uh, we like the five-star reviews. Those are the best. But if you feel like we are a one-star podcast, I, I understand. Now, listen, there are no one-star recruits. They're only two-star, three-star, four-star, and five-star. So, you know, maybe just make us a two-star. Make us like a, you know, a, 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 boor, a group of five backup. But we'd appreciate if you made us a five-star. Yeah, if you really like the show, make an effort to do so. It really helps us out. Uh, 
And if you don't like the show and you keep listening, thanks. <laughs> yeah. If you hate listen, you're still listening, and we appreciate that, too. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So people are listening to this on Friday, a lot of them. Friday night, Wake Forest at Virginia. Virginia's a four-point favorite. I'm more interested in the over-under. 68.5 sounds awfully high unless you've actually watched these teams play. Like, that seems pretty on the nose. Yeah, yeah. And what's better than a 68 or 70-point banger for Saturday night, right? Or Friday night, excuse me. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I agree with that. Now, the thing that I'm also – I think the over-under is cool – but I also don't know when I'm supposed to start buying stock in Wake Forest again this year. They're good. I, I think they're legitimately good. You you saw them beat Florida State. That was there's nothing fluky about that. They beat Florida State because they were the better team. They probably are the better roster right now than Florida State. They are going to play a Virginia team that you know they can score. I mean, if you watch Virginia just torch Illinois, Brennan Armstrong is a really good quarterback that they, they can move the ball. But you saw them against North Carolina, and against a really competent offense, they struggled. And basically, North Carolina just outscored them last week. So I just I feel like this is going to be a shootout. I have no idea who's going to win. Like one quarterback's probably going to have a ball bounce off a receiver's hands and into a DB's hands, and that's going to be the difference. Uh, it, it it feels like exactly what you'd want in a Friday night game, Andy. I know that you want to talk about the over. I'm sorry for redirecting, but is it possible that this team is 8-0 going into the North Carolina game November 6th? It's possible. I've seen the how do I talk to my children about an 8-0 Wake Forest team. It's it's definitely possible. <laughs> Listen, you if you've been listening to this podcast, you know my affection for Dave Clawson. I, I think Dave Clawson is one of the best coaches in America, and I think he's smart enough to know he's got a good thing at Wake Forest. And, and would not leave unless it was for an absolutely perfect situation. But also, I think Dave Clawson has been limited by people not forgiving him for being the offensive coordinator at Tennessee in 2008 when you know he, he came in that year, got saddled with a, you know, an offensive roster that was not particularly great, and that was the last year of Phil, Philip Fulmer's tenure at Tennessee. And so he took a lot of the blame for that. But if you look at what Dave Clawson's done everywhere else, whether it be in the FCS or Bowling Green or Wake Forest, he has always had his team out punching its weight. And in this case, this is the, the kind of a perfect year for Wake Forest with the super seniors and all that. Because remember, if you're a student at Wake Forest, you're pretty in it for the education 
as well. And so if you get another year, if it, let's say you're not going to be a, a you know, high round draft pick and they say, here, have another year. Would you like a free master's degree from Wake Forest? Of course they're going to take that. Yeah. They're three and a half point dogs in this game. And I think I'm taking the points here. I think it, I, I would feel very confident with that. I, because I, I, I feel like it's a pretty even matchup. I it, three and a half is essentially neutral site pick them. So, I mean, I, I, I think you're, I think you're fine on that. And look, the idea of Wake Forest as, I mean, that's the thing. Let's move on to another a Saturday game that is related to this, Ari. And, and we're, I was going to get to it later, but I think now now is a better time to discuss it because it's in the division with Wake Forest. Clemson and NC State. Okay, NC State, one of the best atmospheres in the ACC. It's wild at Carter-Finley. And I remember I got in trouble one time back in the day. I think it was 2012. I said, oh, Florida State's not worried about going to that environment at Carter-Finley. It's, 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 not, it's not really much of anything. The NC State got, fans got very mad. That's where uh, I, my nickname, Fat Ray Liotta, came from, is, was an NC State fan. <laughs> and uh, that was the game, if you remember correctly, that our, our, uh, our friend who's a healthy eater like the two of us uh, took his shirt off, climbed the pole, and was waving it around like a helicopter as uh, the junior senator from North Carolina, Petey Pablo, has commanded. Um, so... <laughs> That and, and that disabused me of any any notion that Carter Finley is not a wild raucous atmosphere. It is, and they'll be going crazy. And Clemson's a ten point favorite. I feel like this is take the points all day because Clemson I'm with you, but ain't I'm not moving the ball on anybody, anybody right, right now. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you know the thing with college football is that it is a very easy sport to overreact to, and there are results every week that are completely contradictory to the results from the week before. And nobody can explain it because it's a wacky, crazy sport. But like, I'm not necessarily sure that Clemson is as good as we have been accustomed to expecting. And it's like, at a certain point, you have to start trusting the results a little bit, you know? And, you know, I, I know that the Georgia game is what it is, and I believe, like we've said many times on this podcast, that this Georgia team has a chance to win a national championship this year. But in the time since, uh, Clemson hasn't done anything to make me feel like, wow, Georgia is unbeatable because Clemson is awesome. In fact, it's been the exact opposite. And, you know, every week more and more context comes. And the context clues that I have right now is that I don't feel particularly comfortable thinking that anybody's the best team in the in the country right now. No, I think that I think that's completely fair. And with Clemson, you and I have talked about how offensive line play travels. How if you've got a really good offensive line, you're in almost every game, regardless of of the other circumstances around your team. It's also the opposite. It also works in the opposite direction. If you can't block Georgia Tech, you're gonna have a hard time blocking NC State. So that's the part I keep coming back to is they do have a quarterback who seems very talented. They have some really talented skill players. Will Shipley, who you wrote about uh, a big feature on in the offseason, has become their number one tailback. Uh, Lynn J. Dixon's now in the portal. But and and that defensive line is fantastic, even even though they've lost, you know, lost some some guys from injury, but they're still very good up front defensively. But they're, they've not been very good up front offensively. And if they can't move the ball, 
I don't, they're going to get pulled into a slot fest and just not what you want on the road in an atmosphere where it's going to be intense. I don't know if I can get the Mississippi State game out of my head. Uh, you know, scoring 10 points for NC State. For NC State? Yeah, it's, it, it's, they, they were, they were not good against what is a very good defense at Mississippi State. But I will say, NC State under Dave Doran has been wildly inconsistent. They'll have games where they're great and they'll have complete, you know, just what happened. And so if Clemson happens to walk in on a day when NC State is great, Clemson playing the way they have been will lose this game. And there's a correlation between road and home, too, because they were on the road in the Mississippi yes. State game. Um, and a lot of cowboys. I don't know what Clang, it is. You'll, you'll have to forgive me if I uh, got this wrong, but for whatever reason, in my brain, I have it that NC State has played Clemson close at home very much so, right? They, they well, didn't 2016, they, the, they should have beaten they them. They should have beaten them in 2016. Extra point or field goal yeah. at the end of the game was at home. So no, that was at home. Yep. Yeah. So to me, I, Actually, I think no, that it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That was that was in Clemson because that was an even year. Oh. So just throw everything I just said out the window then. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like uh, NC State has traditionally played Clemson pretty well for, for the discrepancy that they're supposed to be. And for when, whatever when, reason. when When Florida State was good. NC State always played Florida State tough in Raleigh. Why are certain teams, based on helmet matchups, more likely to give the powerhouse teams trouble? Like, why does Purdue give Ohio State trouble more than any other team in that stature? Why does Ole well, for, Miss seem to NC- give Alabama more trouble than than other teams? It's just like weird to me that over the course of time, there's always these weird games involving powerhouse versus lower tier, middle tier matchup in conference, and it seems to be the same teams that are a thorn in those sides all the time. Even though nothing about the rosters would indicate that that should be the case, right? Is, do you notice those trends? Well, so so here in the textile bowl, which is what they call this game, I think it's a case of other than Florida State when it was still Florida State, NC State was the closest team in talent to Clemson. And so athletically, they matched up. Like that 2016 NC State team that lost 24-17 at Clemson, that team had four defensive linemen drafted, including Bradley Chubb. So they were they were very talented. You know, they, they were the type of roster that could compete with Clemson. And so if Clemson's roster is down... NC State should absolutely be the team in the division since Florida State is not Florida State right now. That should be the team they worry about the most. You know, speaking of Florida State, am I crazy? And it's not on our list, but is is Louisville uh, the play in that game? I have no idea. I, I, I After Jacksonville State, I m- don't touch Florida State Florida <laughs> under State's any circumstances. one good half of football this year. And I think it's okay to admit that they stink. And, well, they lost to Jacksonville State and got blown out by Wake Forest. Of course, it's okay to admit that. Yeah, now, yeah. It's it's more interesting to say what does that mean about Notre Dame? All right, flip. Let's go right into it. Six and a half point dogs against Wisconsin neutral field. It's in. Is that Soldier Field right in Chicago? Yes, it is at Soldier Field. So this feels like a Notre Dame team that does not have the typical Notre Dame offensive line that they're, they're struggling to block relative to what they have. I mean, they've, they've had great offensive lines over the last few years. And so seeing 
something that isn't that is, is a little bit jarring. And so they've won the games they've played. None of them have been particularly pretty, but they're going to play a team that can control the game on the ground, that can control the clock. And what happens if Wisconsin takes a lead? Is Notre Dame going to be able to come back? Both teams are kind of fractured right now, right? You've got a Wisconsin team who couldn't move the football at all versus Penn State and didn't do a very good job of adjusting. And you have a Notre Dame team whose most quality win right now is probably against a Florida State team that looked better than you know they certainly are. And then per- Purdue may be a Purdue. higher quality win by, yeah. the, by the time all yeah. is said and done. And even that was a struggle fest until the end. Uh, I don't think that they really got into control of that game. So it's like, which team do you actually believe has it this year? Is this like the Cone Bowl? Is that what this is? It um, is the cone. I mean, yeah, Jack Cone's revenge game. And and look, Jack Cone may have to throw them to victory. He, he may he that may be the 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 only way it works because I would imagine Wisconsin's just going to try to to plow them under, and they may get up a couple scores, and Notre Dame's going to have to come back, and they're going to have to do it with with a big play. Now, Wisconsin is from what we've seen, susceptible to big plays. They lost the Penn State game because they were susceptible to big plays. The question is, does can Notre Dame you know, produce anything like what Dotson was doing to, to Wisconsin? Does Notre, or did Wisconsin have a Jack Cohn problem, or did Jack Cohn have a Wisconsin problem? I think we're going to find out. Now, Jack, remember Jack Cohn got hurt. He got hurt in the offseason last year. They had to go with Graham Mertz. And then at that point, something was going to happen. You, you were playing Graham Mertz. You weren't probably going to bench Graham Mertz because he would have transferred. And so you let Jack Cohn go. And, and I don't know what the answer to that is. I, I don't know that they're, they're all that different so far. I guess we'll get a chance to find out head-to-head, but... Nothing we've seen so far suggests that one is is significantly better than the other, other than the recruiting rankings. I'm on Wisconsin this weekend. I think so too. I, I think I think they control the game. Notre Dame has given us enough warning signs to say when they play a, a better quality opponent, they might not have enough to handle it. Yeah, and I, I just think that Wisconsin's lines are better. And I, I don't know about you. But in a weird world where Cone is playing against his fav- uh, his former team um, and against the freshman at the time that took his job, like who, what's going to win out here? Is it going to be the the quarterback who got spurned and now is actually playing at a more traditional power um, at quarterback, or is it going to be finally the moment when Graham Mertz comes out and is like an NFL quarterback? Because it's like we've been waiting for that, right? Like Graham Mertz. I'm not first sure either of those things happens. It could just be that Wisconsin's offensive line blows open some holes and and they average six yards a carry. What's your, and they, what's your they take on, on Mertz, though? Is Mertz, oh, is Mertz not what we thought he was going to be? Is it too early or too, too – I think it might be a little too early to say that. My hope is that he still comes yeah, up. Because I mean, like, last Wisconsin season to me, was weird. He has, the, he has the great first game. He has COVID. It was all the COVID and then stuff. And it just – everything's out of whack. Because like the so biggest think- thing to me about Wisconsin in their world of trying to actually win the Big Ten is that they've lacked at some of the skill position players, talent-wise. And it's like, how much yeah. better would Wisconsin have been the last 10 years if it had a legitimate potential first-round draft pick at quarterback? 
Like to me, that was like the number one missing thing. Now, I think that there were some questions about receiver talent and certainly not at running back, but maybe a little defensive back stuff. So like the skill position players at the elite level programs were able to gain separation and make big plays. But like when you add um, what Mertz was supposed to be into that equation and you look at the Big Ten this year, you look at a Wisconsin team that theoretically was could have won it, right? Like, I'm not necessarily yeah. sure Ohio State's going to be winning the Big Ten this year. They've got a lot, a lot, and a lot to prove before I think that that's the case. And then if you now, do, then all of a sudden you've got a wide open conference between Michigan, Penn State, and Wisconsin right now. And, and Penn State seems to be the leader, and Michigan looks great. So uh, if Mertz comes out and, and shows us that he can be what we thought he was going to be, then I think Wisconsin might actually take the pole position there out of those three even after losing to Penn State. And the other thing is we have a very small sample size with Wisconsin because, remember, they didn't play last week. They've had two weeks to prepare for Notre Dame, which I I do think matters. And they had no problem with Eastern Michigan. So all we've really seen from Wisconsin is the Penn State game. It's one game. And we, we don't have know to believe that, that Penn State's really, really good, too. I, 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 think, I think Penn State is very good. I think Penn State has a good defense and an offense capable of generating explosive plays, which we saw against Wisconsin. So, and I, w- I want to clarify the reason why I give Wisconsin the pole position, though, is because they play in the West. Right. Penn State, Ohio right. State, and Michigan have to play each other, and it's going to be a battle uh, for those three games. So Wisconsin, I think if, if Graham Mertz, the light bulb, turns on, that team is the team that's going to be playing in Indianapolis at the end of the year. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm interested to see how does Wisconsin – handle this can they control this game can they can they run run the ball effectively set up the pass you know Grimmert struggled against Penn State but can Notre Dame get to Grimmert's the way the way Penn State did you know is it is it going to be is there a Jaquan Brisker you know Kyle Hamilton Kyle Hamilton is one of the best safeties in the country but that's one guy you know Penn State it feels like they they've got a bunch of dudes so yeah, I, I think I think I'm with you on this. I think I think I, I, I would take Wisconsin to cover. You got to win by a touchdown. I, I definitely think that's doable. Well, I think that I guess we should probably stay in the Big Ten here, right? And just go right into Rutgers, Michigan. Sure. All right, lay absolutely. It on. What do you think? <sighs> this is going to tell us a lot about Michigan because I think Greg Schiano has made Rutgers better. He is. Clearly very good at coaching Rutgers. And so I think Michigan will get somewhat tested. I don't know if if they'll be tested enough that, that there's a threat that they might lose the game. But what I want to see that will, will give, I, I feel like, give us some more valuable information about Michigan is I want to see them be forced to throw the ball. They've not been in a position where they had to throw. And they've just been able to run all over everybody. So... Let's see what happens because Greg Schiano is not a dumb coach. He will load the box and dare them to throw probably right off the bat. Let's see if they can do it. I feel like Rutgers is the eighth best team in the Big Ten. Okay. We might have to do the list. We might have to do the list. But I who's, think who's underneath the, them? You Okay. Illinois, Purdue, Nebraska. Who else yeah, is underneath I them? I, I don't know what to do with Nebraska. What do I do with Nebraska there? Like, has your thought process of Nebraska changed at all after playing? Uh, no, no. 
You don't think that they've I, earned that, a little bit more that respect? That tells me back? more about Oklahoma. No, because I've watched Illinois, and they're not very good. And that was a that looked like a pretty even game with Nebraska. No, that the, yeah. the I, I am viewing that Nebraska Oklahoma game as telling me more about Oklahoma than it did about Nebraska. I think eight might have been a little bit bigger, might have been more of a advantageous, I mean, a adventurous thought process. Okay. Because um, I think they're better than Purdue. I think they're better okay. than Illinois. Um, okay. But I'm not sure I could confidently find two or three more that I would say they're yeah, 100% better. I don't, I don't know that they're with. better than Maryland. I don't know that they're better than, than Minnesota. Uh, yeah, I. I think they could play with all those teams, though. I think it's a discussion. Yeah. I don't know that I would pick. That, like, is 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 Rutgers going to automatically lose to Northwestern? Are they automatically going to lose to Indiana no. right now? Nope. No, they are not. And that's why when I looked at this line, Michigan's a twenty and a half point favorite, twenty point five. I was like, that feels a little high. I don't. I think Rutgers is is decent. And maybe doesn't lose by three touchdowns. Do you buy into the idea that they were embarrassed by Rutgers last year and that there's revenge there? Like, do you think that like teams get fired up in those ways? Or do you think new year, new mentality? They did beat Rutgers. You know, if it's Michigan State, but that yes, was like I, a I think really, really low point for them at that time before people realized sure. Rutgers was better. Yeah. Yeah. But Michigan State got pounded by Rutgers. So like I would understand like, when they play the revenge thing makes more sense. But Michigan did beat Rutgers. I realize going to overtime against Rutgers, if you're a traditional Big Ten power, probably doesn't feel great. But they did win. And the wins were so few and far between last year, I'm sure they celebrated that pretty heartily. But this is this is the thing I just want to see about Michigan because I've liked everything I've seen so far. They have a good defense, a really good defensive line. They've been able to run the ball. They've blocked up front great. They just they have not had to throw. So I don't know if they can or not. And if they can, then we may be looking at a fairly complete team and should kind of revise our expectations for Michigan. And I'm I not think sure. I'm not Greg, sure that I believe that Rutgers 100 percent has enough to stop Michigan from running it all over them. I think Shiano will will at least at first dare them to throw. He'll, he'll use numbers to make sure they try that they have to throw. The problem is if they can throw, then this is going to get out of hand and Vegas can be absolutely right. Yeah, this is a kind of a don't touch for me, I think. Because like the thing, too, with Michigan is that we've been fooled by them in the past where they've come out and looked really, really good for the first few weeks and, hey, they're back and revenge tour and all that stuff. And then mm -hmm. they play competent team and then it's like it all comes crashing down in one afternoon. And I'm not saying they're going right. to lose this game. And that's I don't what I'm worried about here. By any stretch of the imagination, but I would not feel confident laying. And it's just like the Washington three touchdowns. Game, yeah. The Washington game, I think, is the legitimizing win here for Michigan. And it's like I don't know how much of a legitimizing win that actually is. Are you sure you want to lay three touchdowns against a pesky Rutgers team that's on its on the up and up and feels like it can prove itself in the Big Ten East as a as a formidable opponent by playing this game close, like. And also, it could be uh, a 28-point or 27-point game in the fourth quarter, and, you know, Rutgers could score a pesky touchdown at the end. And, and it's just like – it's just a widespread right, back to our cover. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it's a weird one. The, the, when I looked at it, I was like, I, I don't – I because I, I just don't know what Michigan is. And until we know what Michigan is, I don't feel confident. Do you think you'll, you'll know what they are if they beat the crap out of Rutgers, or are you still waiting for the Wisconsin game? I think it will help. 
But no, I mean, you and I have said this since, I mean, for months. The Wisconsin-Michigan game will tell us a lot about Michigan. It has told us a lot about Michigan the last two years. It may it may give us the answer as to whether Jim Harbaugh continues to be the coach at Michigan. And I realize if they go in undefeated and they lose to Wisconsin, they will not fire him the day after losing to Wisconsin. But if they lose to Wisconsin in the same way that they have lost to them the past two years, I think we can probably safely predict what will happen as the season goes on. If they play Wisconsin tough, win or lose, that's different. That's that's improvement. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, now, if you lose to Rutgers, that that changes the tenor and tone too. But I, I nothing I've seen from Michigan so far makes me worry they'll lose to Rutgers. It just it might be close if they are not good at throwing the ball, and we don't know if they are or not because they just haven't had to yet. I agree with all that. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's uh, let's go to a team that uh, that forced me to uh, eat a banana as it comes with the peel and everything. <laughs> uh, this is this is a huge game for LSU. They are at Mississippi State. They are a two point favorite in Starkville. I don't. I'm not sure outside the LSU fan base, people realize how big of a game this is for LSU. Because let me let me run down the stretch that LSU is is embarking upon right now. Mississippi State, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Ole Miss, Alabama. That's six Ar- games. Arkansas. Well, they play Arkansas and, and, and Texas A&M later. Arkansas comes directly after Bama, so they go a part of that streak that they're on. Okay. All right, that's seven games then. This is yeah. a seven-game stretch where... LSU is talented enough to win them all. But if they play the way they did against UCLA, they might lose them all. This is this is going to be kind of a <laughs> make it or like, break it. Were you awake when uh, Fresno State beat you, uh, UCLA over the on Saturday? Hell yeah, I was. Jake Hayner throwing yeah, darts. Hainer throwing darts with a hip replacement surgery on the way. Did that? Were you just like Shooter McGavin on the 18th green with your hands out as the ball goes in, yelling no at that? Like I just don't know. It's just like to I me, tweeted. It, you were asleep. I tweeted. It made me feel worse that oh, I, I made the bet. I, I watched you. the end of it. I just must have missed that. Oh, well, I, you weren't paying attention. I I bet UCLA to win the Pac-12 South. So this is a huge game uh, for for Mr. Wasserman, but like for UCLA. But like I just don't know 
when you have the three context clues between UCLA beats LSU and then UCLA loses to Fresno State, it's just like I don't even know how to digest that. When you think about, well, and how, I don't either. Yeah, I, I I think you know the same. I was screaming during the LSU UCLA game. Snap the ball. Stop trying to get into the perfect play. Snap the ball and be better athletes than the people you are better athletes than. And Ed Orgeron himself said Central Michigan week, that's what they're trying to do more often now. So we'll see. We'll see if that's – because here's here's the deal. They're playing a Mississippi State team that should be undefeated, should not have lost to Memphis. You know, the the, the officiating admittedly was wrong on the play that, that cost them the game. The defense for Mississippi State, with the exception of the first half of the Louisiana Tech game, has been very good and is probably going to be better than anything else you've seen so far. If they can't score on these guys, I don't I don't know what to say. I don't know that LSU is good right now. I I don't either. I they they can prove it. They can play their way into it. But that's why I think this is so big because if you can't beat Mississippi State, you are going to struggle against Auburn. You're going to struggle against being Kentucky. Bad? Well, think about who they have to play. This this can all go downhill in a hurry if they can't win this one. I think I see four losses in that stretch. So three and four out of that seven-game stretch. Yeah. I mean, I think they could beat Mississippi State. I think they could beat Auburn. Uh, I think they could beat U, U, uh, UK. I think they beat Kentucky. But out of those three, do you think they're going 3-0? and oh? I think they'll probably drop one unexpectedly. And then I don't think they're going to beat Florida. I don't think they're going to win an old game at Ole Miss, and a road game at Ole Miss. I don't think they're going to win at Alabama. And then you have Arkansas there. Like, I see four losses yeah. there. And, oh, by the way, Texas A&M's after all that. Two weeks later. Yeah. So that this That's is what I'm saying. a brutal schedule. It is. It is. LSU has to be different than they were against UCLA. Now is the chance to prove that against Mississippi State. And if you are not different, if you are the same team that played UCLA and nothing's improved, then it's going to be a bad season. It's going to be a really terrible season. Yeah. And then we'll be having different discussions about it. Yeah. So here's my deal. That have already started, by the way. I know I said I know I said I would never again back them, but I'm going to give them one more chance. I know you want me to eat that death chip. Are you going to put it on the line right now? LSU by two. LSU minus two in Stark Vegas. Now's your chance to redeem yourself, Tigers. If I have to eat this death chip, you're dead to me. So this doesn't even involve me? No. I I walk myself into this. I made a stupid, <laughs> stupid bet this summer, and I deserve whatever punishment I get from it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the team that caused me this embarrassment a chance to redeem itself. Now I'm not giving you any more points. <laughs> two two's enough. <laughs> I wish wow. I didn't have to give you any. This is like this is a statement from the Andy Staples show of like yes. this is a personal mission that has like I don't have to do anything if because yeah. like I, I don't Basically, know what side I, Ed Orgeron yeah. stays employed and I don't eat this chip or I eat this chip and and they're very much in danger of of traveling the road to Chiswick Town. 
I think it's important to uh, redeem yourself. I don't hate it. All right. I feel so a little bad. That's it. LSU minus two. I don't feel bad. If I were giving you extra points, I'd be stupid. But I've learned my lesson on that. But I don't have a and, consequence. And, and look, you already ate the chip. You're fine. You're, and okay. oh, by the way, you may not be on the show next week because uh, you yeah, may yeah. have a newborn. So, yeah. so I will just we'll let somebody else laugh at me while I do that and freak out if I touch my eye. Oh, oh, I, I don't know. Can I call in from the delivery room? If you have to eat the death, so. death chip, I like that would be I have to be around to see it like this is. Well, listen, we'll man, you, we'll I, I was you almost made me cry two weeks ago when or last week when I did this. I'm going to be there when you have to eat that eventually. OK, so if, if you right. lose, I'm going to figure it out or you're going to delay it. But I'm going to be on the call when you eat that chip. OK, let's here's, stay here's in the what SEC. You get, though. Here's what I'll okay, give you. Go ahead. Go ahead. If right, LSU okay. does cover the spread then I will take the death chip off the table for future gambles from now on. So this is like, this is my, this is my exposure to you. I think they're going to lose. So I think you're, you're digging yourself a hole here, but I kind of think they're going to lose too, but I feel like I wasn't really punished enough for giving you 15 points in that UCLA game. (laughs) And this would be more appropriate. It's called double exposure, but you you have something to, to win. If LSU does cover the two and wins the game, then future wagers will not involve the death chip. Oh, I'm in. Okay, I like it. Let's stay in the SEC. Texas A&M versus Arkansas at Jerry World. Texas A&M favored by four and a half, over under 47 and a half. Ari, tell me why I shouldn't take the Arkansas money line here. I I don't know. I I have no idea. You tell me. Nothing about Texas A&M's... Okay, Texas A&M plays a clunker against Colorado, and I realize they lost their starting quarterback, but they sc- they scored ten points. Do you know what happened to Colorado in not even in Denver in Boulder in their actual home stadium? Do you know what happened to them last week? What happened to them? They lost thirty to nothing to Minnesota, <laughs> and Minnesota is yeah, pretty I good. I think. I don't know if I want to play the transitive property game. Minnesota is actually pretty good. And actually, do, to be able but, but to do that without without their run their star running back, I think is great. Right. Um, but, but what I'm saying is, uh, Minnesota is a pretty good team. We are supposed to be we're supposed to believe that A and M is a very good team. But I'm not. Sh- I'm sure. I, I think their defense is very good. But I'm worried about their offense. And if you can't move the ball, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. Eventually, it breaks down. Also, in case you're not paying attention, Arkansas can score this year. Yeah. They're a super yeah. athletic, fast team that can put KJ up Jefferson points can in a run and throw. Yes. Traylon Burks is a is a tough matchup for anybody. Yeah, I, I don't like this matchup for AM. I don't like that they're getting point or that they're giving points. I I I don't like any of it. It's a neutral site game, too. And and it's an interesting one because this is a game that for a lot of years, even when Texas A&M was demonstrably better than Arkansas, the game was very close. And I realize it's not the same players, it's different coaches, but one thing, I remember talking to a, a, a gambling, like a Vegas gambling guy, and he was like, he's like, you guys get too tied up in the people. Like, just look at history, look at the math, look at over and over. If something, if something keeps happening over and over, 
then you maybe should expect that to happen. I just and don't so understand that, tell- though. I don't understand that. I don't understand I don't why a close game in 2012 with different players and different coaches has any bearing on what's going to happen this year. Well, there there is something about this being an old Southwest Conference rivalry. It's intense. The Arkansas players are told all week, hey, you know, it, it's not the same as as Texas, as we learned. They hate Texas. They don't like Texas A&M either. And that is an old rivalry. And that is... You you and I both know we've covered really good teams before. There's a bit of different feel in town when it's a big game. This is a big game feel in Fayetteville before they go down to Arlington. I I think they're going to be up for this game. And, and you and I have both talked about how we feel about Sam Pittman. I, I think he does a good job getting, getting his teams up. Uh, obviously, Jimbo Fisher knows what he's doing. He's played in big games, plenty of them. But does... Does this offense work the way it's intended to with Zach Calzada? Now, maybe in in game two as the as the full time starter after Haynes King gets hurt, maybe the offense clicks a little more. Maybe it's you've had a game to kind of figure things out. But I don't know, man. I I I'm I'm worried for A and M right now. You want to hear A and M's next four games? I mean, not oh, A and M, Arkansas. Yeah, okay. Either one. If it's an SEC West team, I'm assuming it's pretty brutal. Arkansas has got A&M on Saturday in a neutral site, at Georgia, at Mississippi, and then at uh, home against Auburn. That's their month. Wow. <laughs> Listen, and, and here's the thing. If you're Arkansas and you go one in three through that stretch, you're doing great. If you're two and two, you should two be and two is great. One and three is acceptable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is probably, I, we don't know how good Auburn is yet. They they looked halfway decent against Penn State, but, but sample size is small. This feels like Arkansas's best shot, though, because this is not the Texas A&M offense that they practiced for all, all offseason. If Arkansas wins this game, they vault into the top 10, and you've got a top 10 matchup in Athens next weekend. I know. I know. Like a CVS game you, will be Arkansas-Georgia. Who You went to Fayetteville last that? year, right? I, so, I did not go to Fayetteville, but I've been to Fayetteville many times. But like, what's, the, what's your take on, on where this program is? I think it's the 22nd most talented team in college football. We obviously buy into Sam Pittman and what he's doing there. Like, is there ever a point in time where we have to start to consider, hey, maybe Arkansas is a legitimate contender in this conference? Yes. I was talking to somebody today who's, who's you know, deeply involved with recruiting and works with players and it, it, throughout the South. And Arkansas is becoming kind of a cool, cool name in, in Southern recruiting. So, no, I, I am with you. And remember, what were, what were we talking about with Clemson and with Notre Dame and with Wisconsin? Good offensive line play travels. Good blocking travels. Sam Pittman's going to make damn sure they have good offensive line play. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, how about this? If Arkansas wins um, this game against Texas A and M, I am on Arkansas no matter what the point spread is against Georgia the following week, and then you can come up with something that I have to do if they don't cover against Georgia. Well, I, I, I appreciate that, but 
since you will be dealing with a newborn, uh, the the punishment because you're going to lose that bet. George is going to beat them, especially. No, if I'm, they I'm beat saying Texas I'm taking the points. Week. Oh, okay, I got you. Okay, but like no matter um, what, I'm going to be on Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, here's here's the uh, here here's the the punishment for that. Um, you have to wake up all hours of the night and help feed a tiny human. That's the punishment. Yeah, yeah. I, I we'll have to talk off the air about what uh, the schedule is going to be, but I, I hope not to leave you. So I, I like being on the show so much that during paternity leave, I still hope to be on the podcast. So I'm still well, going to be watching we'll, the games, we'll, and then we'll, be- we will talk about all that off the air because. As, as someone who's lived through it, uh, it, it, it hits everyone differently. And each yeah. kid hits everyone differently. So we'll, we'll deal with all that. But, but no, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, that, that if Arkansas wins this game, that you should be on Arkansas pretty much the rest of the season because I, I, like, it I, means they are capable of competing physically with, with the best of the best. I think Arkansas is already – I already view Arkansas as physically able to compete with anybody. You know, I don't know that I believe that they would beat Georgia. I don't believe that they would beat Alabama, but they are physically equipped to handle anything. And I do think that this A&M opportunity here, being a five and a half or six and a half point dog, I think it's moved, is a potential for a legitimizing win that's, you know, it's like a switch in your brain because we are so remember, we like, you, you know how you view a program you view the program based on the most uh, significant recent season that they had. So the fact that they right. were awful, awful, awful a few years ago makes you still view, maybe it's human nature, but you view Arkansas as a joke and dumpster fire of a program. That well, doesn't it's, make- it's doubly, it's, it's right. It's doubly bad because here's the deal. They were terrible in the last year for, for Brett Bielema and even worse in both of the Chad Morris years. Now, Chad Morris did not win a bunch of games there. He did bring some good players into the program, which Sam Pittman will readily tell you that he knew what kind of talent they had because he'd been recruiting. He'd been recruiting at Arkansas and then he goes to Georgia. And so he ran in the same kind of recruiting circles and saw what they were bringing in. And he'll tell you they got players. They had players when he walked in and now he's getting better ones. So I just, yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think the double whammy of terrible final season under Bielema, terrible entire tenure under Chad Morris has people underestimating Arkansas continually. And this is a legitimate chance, a real chance at a, a program legitimizing win. Right. In the state and of Texas. Now, for Texas A&M, this, is, this falls into the you want to be in the playoff, you want to be considered one of the elite teams in the SEC. You can't lose this game. You can't lose to Arkansas. Because this if you can't beat Arkansas, you can't beat Alabama. You probably can't beat Georgia. I mean, th- this is the type of team up front that you're going to have to be able to beat. So for Texas A&M, it's a big-time prove-it game. Especially because they're two weeks removed from the Bama game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this I mean, is like you don't, you don't be, even want a clunker of a win. You want to feel good about yourself. And if you want to be viewed as a national championship contender, you go take care of business and you don't even sweat this one. You win. You I'm win so by glad 12. this game's moved, moved off a of noon because 
if it's anything like those ones during the Kevin Sumlin, Brett Bielema era, which were just heart attack inducing type games, like that's too early for that sort of thing. Like I, <laughs> I need that to be later in the day. So I'm glad, I'm glad this game is the three 30 Eastern kickoff. Um, let's, let's hop back to the big 10. We talked a little bit about Nebraska earlier, but Nebraska at Michigan state, we haven't said much about Michigan state since they, uh, they beat Miami in a game where it was close going into the fourth quarter and then Michigan state just hit the, uh, the thrusters and crushed Miami in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Mel, Mel Tucker talked about dragging them into the deep water where we live. And now they're calling, uh, I think they were calling, they were calling Spartan stadium, the woodshed before, but now they're, they're, they're bringing that back. I don't know why, but they are. Well, what if they whip Nebraska? What if they take Nebraska to the woodshed? I don't know. It just kind of makes me feel like fetch is, is trying to happen here. You know, I <laughs> you trying to make just, fetch happen. Well, yeah. <laughs> like the deep water thing, the deep water thing was something Mel Tucker said in the moment. And I think that, so perhaps that resonates more than, than woodshed, which does feel a little more manufactured, but let's, let's just break this down. Let's, let's take the labels off mm-hmm. and just say the way Michigan state is playing. Does Nebraska have a chance in this game? You know, it's funny. It takes me back to one of our preseason pods, Andy, where somebody asked me or me and you whether we we thought that Michigan State was going to be ahead of schedule this year. And I remember vividly what I said. And I said, I think that I completely have bought into Mel Tucker's ability to build Michigan State at the same rate that Mark D'Antonio did. The slow burn three, four year type of building process that makes you very, very good in in that time frame. But I don't know if I have him as an instant bounce back type of coach, especially considering that. Did you account for the transfer portal? They have 12 starters who were transfers. That's what I'm saying. Like, and I thought to myself, Michigan State was kind of on the verge of being broken when D'Antonio left. They're not recruiting at a high level. And I think that they they need to develop the guys they're bringing in. And then they bring this transfer. Like Kenny, Kenny is great. Yeah. Um, their running back is one of the best running backs in college football. Uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, the third yeah, is yeah. averaging 8.7 yards a carry. He is he carries 19 times a game. And it's like, when you like add a transfer like that onto your team and he comes in and has an automatic impact, that is a recruiting win, even if it's not in a recruiting class. So I was wrong about Mel Tucker's ability to turn this this program around quickly. The way that Michigan State has played, they are looking. Am I, am I crazy to say that Michigan State is looking more like its 2014, 15, 16 self than they ever have in the time since then? And like, again, they I look don't know, a maybe lot, Miami they look a sucks. Lot like that. Right, maybe, but. Nothing, nothing's been fluky about anything they've done so far. Like they beat Northwestern thoroughly, you know, Youngstown state, of course they're going to win that game. The way they, they pulled away from Miami. None of this looks fluky or accidental. This all looks very intentional. So and Peyton Thorne, their quarterback has nine touchdowns and zero picks this year. Yeah. So again, what about Nebraska so far? suggests they can stay within a touchdown of these people. I'm on Michigan State in this game. I am too. Yeah. It's a five-point spread. I mean, come on. So five is a now, weird number. Scott Frost, five is a weird number. Five, five is a weird number. For Scott Frost, though, this is this is a, a big one. But Michigan State, getting back to them, if you, at the beginning of the season, 
their over-under was like four and a half. That ticket's going to cash probably before they lose a game. Yeah. Yeah, if you look at this schedule ahead of them, they could be 7-0 and going into the Michigan game, and that's a home game in the woodshed. Uh, Nebraska. In the deep water. Can uh, we call it the deep water? Yeah, I don't know. Those are very conflicting things, too. Like, we got to just very much up. so. But hey, look, let's not, we're, we're, sometimes in the heat of the moment, you mix your metaphors. It's okay. I, I just, Andy, I just like Nebraska, Western Kentucky, Rutgers, Indiana are the next five or four games. They can win them all. They can win them all. And you know, you know, I, I talked to Mel Tucker about this over the summer. You know, where it really kind of turned around for them last year was the second half of the Indiana game. They got torched by Indiana in the first half. They were getting destroyed, and they they played them to basically, I think they played them to a 0-0 tie in the second half, and after that, they said, you know what, there, there, is, there are kernels here that we can work with. There are seeds that we can plant, and then you bring in all this new talent, and, and Mel Tucker recruits the way that Nick Saban recruits, recruits the way that Kirby Smart recruits. You know, he has a, a definitive idea of what a cornerback looks like, of what a D tackle looks like. And, and if you don't fit that mold, they're not interested. And it feels like he went out in the portal and, and plugged in guys that fit what he's been looking for. And no, you didn't have to develop them. You just plugged them right in. Yeah, I didn't know that there was a plug in play. And it'll be interesting, too, because in three or four years, we'll be talking about which coaches are the best at the portal. Because that's mm-hmm. not a metric that we've ever really measured, which coaches no. are most proficient in, in transfers. And it's like you might find programs that are completely built off of being able to properly scout players who have already been in college for two years. And like that's going to be a different type of skill set than recruiting. Mm-hmm. It's still and recruiting, it, it is, but it's a different skill set. Yeah, it, and it's the same. It's sort of like scouting in the NFL. NFL scouting departments have two, two halves, one to scout the, the players in college and one to scout the teams that they're going to that they're going to play and the other teams in the league to see who they might want to sign in free agency or trade for colleges now have the same thing. They, their recruiting departments have been split in two. So uh, I believe they call it like a pro player personnel department in the NFL, whatever the college version of that is where you, you were watching other college teams. Yeah. If you're good at that, there's a market for you. Yep. Want to do one more? Yes, I would like to go out to the Pac-12. UCLA, I feel like a lot of people have jumped off the bandwagon. I haven't. the Fresno State loss. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that. At a team that we've seen be very good up front so far this year in one game, but not so much in their first game. Stanford. The Stanford that played USC looks like they could beat UCLA. The Stanford that played K-State does not. It's very hard to gamble on games when the team, one of the teams involved, is different every week, you know. And I think you can make an ex, you can make the case that both of these teams are, you know. Uh, UCLA, for all intents and purposes, got their butts kicked by Fresno State, and they came back. And I think a few major uh, mistakes made by Fresno State opened the door. But UCLA showed some resiliency. So when they turned around and lost that game after completing a pretty good comeback and like building, I think it was a 10 point cushion there in the middle of the fourth quarter, I was pretty shocked by that. Cause like in my mind, I thought that UCLA had a chance to win the Pac 12 this year. And I still do, you know, 
But yeah. that is just – it's just like those types of losses are the types of losses that teams that are transitioning have, not teams that have yeah. arrived have. So I have changed well, – and, and Jake Hainer changed threw my mind. two oh, – Jake Hainer threw two perfect touchdown passes. Like the only place he could have put them, I, I still don't know how he did it. Here's the here's the thing. You, you can say, okay, well, that's a fluky thing. That's never going to happen twice. Fresno State should not have been down there in position to score either time if UCLA has really arrived. I agree with you. It's it's a transitioning team would lose a game like that, not a team that has arrived. So, But on the other hand, it's just like, shouldn't they be able to beat Stanford? So I, I just don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know because is, is Stanford good is the question because they might yeah. be. You know, I mean, when, when, when they figure out Tanner McKee's the guy and they kind of move ahead that way and it feels like they're, they're a fairly efficient offense now, which they weren't against K-State, but they have been in, in, their, in their game since. Yeah. I mean, this, this kind of strikes me as a game that you I wouldn't touch, um, but if I had to lay the points here on UCLA, I think I would. Um, you would? Okay. I. My hope is that they got through the non-conference at two and one, which is probably what a lot of people thought they would anyway. They just lost the, and won the different game. You go into the Pac-12 against Stanford and UCLA. I mean, Stanford, Arizona State, Arizona, and Washington are four very winnable games to start your conference play. Um, and obviously, the, the road game at Washington could be tricky, and this road game at Stanford could be tricky. But you have a chance to be four and zero in the Pac-12. Uh, when you host Oregon on October 23rd. And if that's the case, they could be six and one overall in the top 15 and really, really be what we thought they were going to be. So I don't know if I take this Fresno, Fresno state. I think it's a pretty solid team. They pushed Oregon. Fresno um, state's the, good. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they, like, they were in their quarterbacks and NFL. They, they guy, were very so, good in Eugene. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to completely pull the, parachute out of out of my feelings for UCLA and I think I'm going to stick with him one more week and maybe this will be my you know if I wasn't having a baby this week my bet would be you to stick with UCLA while you're death chipping LSU but well you know. that, I mean here's the thing that this this two game stretch you're right the Stanford and Arizona State if they are the transitioning team they're either one and one or oh and two in this stretch if they are the arrived team they're two and oh that's that's what we're going to find out. This is, this is, we're dealing with a lot of small sample sizes, which I know I keep saying that and it's annoying because you want definitive statements on a podcast. But the fact of the matter is we have small sample sizes to deal with and it's very difficult to judge teams that have had kind of schizophrenic performances. So you know, UCLA looked like a very well-constructed team where everybody knew exactly what they were doing when they played LSU. They looked discombobulated at the end against Fresno State, which is the real one. Well, we'll find out as they play more. And these these next two games will give us a great, great idea of what that is. So we'll find out. Ari, it's going to be interesting. I am going to be sweating in many, many ways that game in Starkville. That's going to get I, I, it's funny because I said no emotional games at noon. It's going to be a lot of emotion going back and forth at noon. Yeah, I think that you're here. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think you're just insane enough to want to take the challenge. So, uh, you know, I th- and I'm very curious to see how you'll do and if you uh, handled it better than I do, because I kind of 
was kind of a wuss uh, about it. So, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't do extreme spicy very well. Extreme spicy is, is kind of a weakness of mine. Uh, I've, I've done it before. I've done a few of them, but I just don't know that I, I'm going to handle it particularly well. I'll be able to eat it and it's, I'll just suffer if I have to do it. But I'm, I'm just fascinated. I, I like the idea of having a little more, a little more stakes on this game just because I want to know what LSU is going to be. I think that's one of the most interesting stories in college football. They, they can go one of two directions right now and they're going to tell us tomorrow which direction they're going. Yep. I agree with you. It'll be fun. So yeah, I mean, while you're eating the, the death chip next week, I might have my baby girl in my arms, but you know, I'm still going to be around for that. Okay. Yeah. You can touch your eye then too. It'll, I won't <laughs> scream. I promise. All right. <laughs> Have fun, everybody. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you Saturday. Night.